0: Hi everyone, this is Michael Howard. I'm the founder of Musea, and this is episode 80 of the Musea podcast. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking with Hilary Jean. She is a business coach for creative entrepreneurs who want to grow their business while creating more freedom in their life. So, um, she uh, burned out early on running a photography business, and I realized kind of all of her hustle wasn't really worth the payoff, and she wanted more time. And so, instead of quitting, she ended up uh, kind of pivoting her entire business model. So she uh, runs a successful kind of brand photography business now. Shoots uh, less than once a week, and she helps uh, creative photographers, entrepreneurs uh, create a uh, more peace and spaciousness in their life, uh, and to help them avoid burnout while running sustainable, profitable businesses. You can follow her on Instagram at Hillary Jean. Uh, it's H-I-L-L-A-R-Y underscore. J-E-A-N-N-E. This was recorded during a Musea Spaces live uh, conversation. So you can sign up at museaspaces.com if you want to join our community there. Uh, We will be having more conversations with photographers and creatives in the future, and you'll be able to ask questions and connect with the Musea community there. All right, thanks so much for listening. Thank you for joining us, everyone. I'm really excited uh, about our conversation today i found hillary uh on instagram i've been stalking her instagram for a while now so i've been like liking all of her stories and stuff stuff like that so um because you have a lot of great points and um you're very consistent with you know your ideas and posting different thoughts and stuff which is awesome so uh i just wanted to Yeah, talk with you because I I think a lot of the stuff that you bring up is extremely important. It's a lot of stuff that I, me as an entrepreneur, also run into. And then just also just talking to our photographers and other entrepreneurs or creatives or solo entrepreneurs. um, There's just a lot of common ground that overlaps. And um, I feel like there's a a shift in the photo industry a little bit with... You know, us being a lab, I guess, so, but we, we see a lot of people, I'm sure we're biased, but we get a lot of people and we see a lot of people online, I think, shifting away from some of the shoot and burn stuff, just which means they have to raise rates and they're they're trying to get their average sale up. And so it just snowballs into all these conversations and fears and m- mindset things with money and all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um so anyway, before I get going too far, uh, I would love for you just to introduce yourself and t- give us a brief like history of who you are.
1: yeah, so i'm hillary Hillary Jean on Instagram. um Jean is my middle name, but I came from corporate tech. I was working a nine to five job and just one day had it well not one day for a lot of days had a pit in my stomach that it wasn't where I was supposed to be. So I I really wanted a life of more freedom and flexibility and creativity. I'd always done art my entire life and I never thought seriously about photography because it always felt so technical to me. And then um, after that, I decided, you know, I need to figure this out because I don't want to sit at a desk my whole life. So I interviewed creatives from all different backgrounds and then um, ended up using my boyfriend now husband's camera um for a while and he was like why don't you become a photographer and the minute he said that i just do so i bought full i put all my savings into full frame i went straight into the pro line cameras and i was like i'm gonna become a professional photographer before i knew how to use a camera started shooting um posting it online and then started getting asked my rates went from there um and then i left my job almost four years ago now. Um, so my first year I would hit the ground running, shooting everything and anything totally burned out. Had one year, I had a great year financially, but I questioned whether I actually wanted to still be in business after that first year. Cause I it was at the point like where I almost, I couldn't get out of bed um, for like a month. Um, it was pretty bad, like emotional burnout, physical burnout. And I said, okay, if I want to actually do this, I have to make a big change. And so I took two months off, pivoted everything. And the next year, my only goal was to like cut the number of projects in half and that's what I did. So um, yeah, I run a a luxury brand photography business for women entrepreneurs, um, but now moving more and more into helping other photographers have more freedom in their lives so that their business actually support their lives versus the other way around.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Cool. All right. So we're going to talk a ton about, um, so a lot of the topics that you talk about on your Instagram. Um, so talk about money. talk about mindset. So we're going to just going to have kind of an open ended kind con- or question here first. So what are some of the biggest money mindset topics that you're coming across as you're mentoring creatives?
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, there's a, I think everything starts with mindset because your thoughts that you're thinking leads to how you're feeling and the way that you're feeling creates action. So if you are in the back of your head worried about there not being enough clients or enough people in your market that will pay a certain price or that's all rooted in scarcity. So I think scarcity is probably the number one thing that comes up um, or one of the number one things that comes up. So they feel like a lot of the people I work with feel like they can't charge what actually is a sustainable uh, model for them. Um, so they have, so they end up having low confidence on those sales calls, not charging what they're worth because they don't believe that there's enough. Um, mm-hmm. So that is a big one that I see, um, and that also leads to overbooking. <laughs> Right. So that's like the turn and burn model that I went through. So I went from shooting like seven to eight times a week to shooting less than once a week. Um, And I make, made the same exact amount of money. And so the idea was, it's always been about freedom for me. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, but yeah, I think the scarcity of there not being enough leads people to make some decisions that aren't from an empowered place.
0: Yeah. How do you, how do you help people? Get out of the scarcity mindset where they're, they're afraid there's not enough clients for them. Nobody's going to pay their what they need to handle their family.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is actually just becoming aware of when you're in that mindset. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's three things here that I think improves, that changes people from going to the turn and burn model into more of a sustainable, high ticket model. And that's you need to have full belief in what you're offering full belief in who you are offering it to and full belief in yourself. So we're kind of hitting in my coaching, these three components of like, how do I change my beliefs about what my offer is and like how much I'm charging that people actually pay this price, that it's valuable, that I'm good enough to to do this myself as a photographer, like I'm worthy of this. And then also your potential clients, like, not worrying about whether they can't afford it or not because that's not your business, that's their decision to make. So it's those three things. So basically the first step is awareness. So understanding where you may have some like subconscious thoughts on how you are navigating your business. Um, and then it's just recognizing that first so I'd say awareness of having scarcity mindset in the first place. And then from there, it's actually like changing those beliefs.
0: Right. I, I guess, how would you change those beliefs? I guess, do you have to tell yourself? Uh, is this like a, I don't know. I'm sure everybody's. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, how do, how
0: do you change from a scary? I think it's
1: like, to, okay, thinking about yeah. when I shifted from burned out into higher rates, my belief was this is the only way it's going to work. Mm. Like, that was like literally my thought. So, it worked because, like, that's. How I approached my business, there was no other option. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's really interesting when you hear, when I listen to entrepreneurs and that have had success, I first look at how they're thinking about things because that tells me everything. Um, So somebody who is doing that level level up, like if your thoughts are, um, this is never going to work nobody's going to book me, then it's like, okay, we need to change that because that's exuding in on in your marketing. Like if you're thinking like, nobody's going to book me, this is never going to work, then of course you're going to get on a sales call and you're going to be changing your prices on the fly, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just like standing behind your price, knowing like, oh, like, it's not a big deal. Like there's plenty of clients. I'm just going to keep going until I get it right. It's all practice. Um, so yeah, I mean, when it comes to shifting the belief, it's becoming aware of the belief. And then it is it is practicing that belief. So it's just like, how can I think about this differently? How do I want to change this? And that takes some time. So um, it really is, it's also figuring out the belief that feels natural for you. Because like, even though I said, um, when it comes to, even though I say, said, there's no other way, maybe that's not going to work for you. So it's finding like what thoughts stick in your mind Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: and repeating that. Yeah. Um, So we got a couple of questions. Okay. So how how do you not care what other people can afford is the first one.
1: Oh yeah. So I think of it this way, like, it is rude to decide what someone can or cannot afford. If you think about it, if you are working like at a fancy restaurant, let's say, and somebody decides, you know what, I'm going to use my money and I'm going to um, treat myself to this dinner and it's I'm celebrating myself and I'm going to splurge a little bit. Like if you were the restaurant owner and they came up to you and they're, and you were like, you know what? I don't know if you can afford this. So I'm going to try to like sell you this like smaller the smaller item or like send you around the corner to like my burger stand instead. That's that's cheaper. Even though we have like gourmet burgers here. Because you're paying like you're like, "No, I want the gourmet burger because I'm paying for the ambiance and um the service and like who are you to tell me what I can or cannot afford?" So it's that's the mindset shift versus like being like, "Can my market pay for this it's like I that's not up to me like that's on them to decide
2: mm-hmm. um
0: and if bookings are already scarce how can a person be confident charging even more or a lot more which I think is very common so you know he, he, it can be str- struggle financially of like ah, how can I <clears throat> you know it can be very, very risky and scary and you know if it doesn't work like there could be some real financial consequences with you and your family or whatever your bills you know
1: yeah for sure um so i've worked on this too cuz a lot of people i work with are going from actually shooting a lot and then we are tightening up and then we are getting them to clear their plate a lot with higher rates mm-hmm. um and the biggest thing so a lot of it has to do with like saying no but if you're in the other bucket of just like Trying to serve—I don't know—it's hard because I don't really understand where this person's business is or where they're coming from. But I'd be curious on, like, what they're currently doing to fulfill bookings, what they think about their market, um, what their offer is, because you know there's a lot that goes into this. So it—it it may not necessarily be the price either, because it could be that you're just not putting yourself in front of the right audiences. Um, so I don't—I don't really know how to answer that without getting more. Deeper into,
0: right? It could be a, mark, a marketing thing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she says she very little have a hard time finding people who can afford luxury items that fit my cost of doing business. So, so I, I run into some photographers like this a lot, or not not a lot, but we have I know of some photographers um, that they're moving from shoot and burn, right? So they're charging a lower rate, um, and then they find us. And they want to move to products but like you know our lab is one of the more expensive labs on the market like we know kind of where we're, we're fit within the positioning um because of, we just offer really high quality materials and we're personal service um and just kind of premium everything but the the photographers they they want that like there's a group of photographers that really want that um and so there's they may be building all their price lists and stuff to that, but struggling, I think, with them either getting their current clients over into it, which is a, it's a huge financial jump, you know, at times. You have people that are going for, you know, it could be a, a 10x type ask of like 500 to 5,000. Like, you know, it could be that type of a switch. So getting shoot and burn clients something over to that is very, very hard transition. Um, and then I guess they my assumption is there's the the marketing piece isn't quite there of like who their target market is and that type of thing
1: yeah yeah so i my personal journey was i kind of slowly worked my way up this but i don't think that's necessarily it necessarily needs to be that way i think mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier to your mindset as you work up slowly like because pretty much like every three clients i was raising my prices up to something to something that felt right. So as I worked my way up, I was just slowly creating a snowball effect of referrals at higher and higher prices. But that's not to say you have to do that. I mean, if you really wanted to just jump into a different audience, it's possible, but know that there might be a lull because you need to practice figuring out how to reach that new audience. So it's going to come with like testing new things, getting in front of in front of people, like understanding what their problems are, because they are too totally separate types of clientele. The people that I started with my business with are not the same people that are booking me um, for now.
2: Right.
1: And there's been a couple that have moved up, but because um, yeah. they've, they've grown with me, but it's I'm offering something totally different. So also my value changed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're running into a lot, I think we're a lot of photographers, at least that we run into, they, they're like, well, we offer in terms of the, the this kind of premium best of the best type material print product. Um, but marketing to clients that have the same value, uh, shared value and alignment is um, they don't necessarily know where to start with that, uh, where to find those type of clients that want that type of thing. Um, and so one of the, for our first previously interviewed she was talking about like going to like museums and getting in with like people that attend museums a lot and art galleries because they tend to value like visual art a lot um but anyway yeah it's just uh trying to figure out where where those clients are that want to pay those things but do you do you suggest like in like a very practical way like maybe somebody doesn't have the clients where they need now they they want to go high end Should they have some sort of other income stream as they work on identifying those clients so that they're not, they don't feel like. That would be helpful. So like, it's either
1: totally like, I feel like it's either you're slowly working your way up there, which was my path. So I didn't really feel this like scarcity, like, oh my God, nobody's booking me for months and months and months. Um. If you want to do that, you totally can, like you could go just straight into luxury, but like know that you may hear crickets for three months as you figure things out and like what that marketing is. So it would be nice to supplement that in some way or like have other types of income, whether it's another job or something as you build your business into reaching that clientele so that you feel safer in trying to figure that out versus Mm -hmm. like feeling like you need to book anything while you're, while you're working on that.
0: Right. Yeah. And it takes some of the pressure off of phone calls or inquiries to where, you know, they may not be your ideal client. And so you feel pressure maybe to like say some things or cut some deals to somebody that may not be a great fit, but you're trying just to get your bills paid, you know, which is fine. But I think ideally, we're always looking for true alignment into where if somebody says no to us, it's not this huge deal breaker financially. It's like, okay, just on to the next lead you know, of who might fit.
1: I honestly hear no and say no a lot. So if I was worried about something not coming through again, like I would crab onto every opportunity and then may not actually enjoy the business that I have now. So it's kind of, you know, I had this client who, she had a $300 cancellation fee for anybody who, who was like rescheduling with her within one week. And so she had this client that kept rescheduling with her and wasn't paying her $300 fee. And so I asked her like, how would you feel about this if you already had a six figure business? And she was like, honestly, like I would just kind of write it off and it wouldn't take up so much of my mental energy and so much of my time because it would be pennies. And I'm like, that's exactly how you have to operate now is like with that kind of energy. Like, not letting $300 take up so much of your time and not letting it take up your thoughts because it's taking up your creative ideas for how to reach bigger clients. When you're like dealing with somebody who's not, that's a lot of mental power, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of hard because you're like, Oh, I have to like think it before it happens. But like, really, right. like if she just had that energy, it would attract bigger clients and she'd have more time to think about her bigger clients.
0: Right. Yeah. For sure, and it's something I mean, practically here at the lab it's something that like I that's something i am slowly learning, like I'm eight years in, and I'm slowly learning this lesson because you know we're we're not perfect people here at the lab, so occasionally we'll make a mistake, right? And because the materials and stuff we use are expensive when that happens, like it's hurts like financially, it's like ouch, like we just lost however much money and we have to remake a thing and reship it to correct it, uh, which we do. But I try not to, like, let that ruin my day, because I have so many other more valuable things to put my energy into um, that I need to, like, let it hit me, like, and then get over the emotion of it and just, like, like we'll take care of it and then we move and then i need to move on to something else that's more productive because i've there's been times where i've spent multiple days just like frustrated with something whether it's a mistake i've made or whatever like oh we need to fix put up fix it so that doesn't happen again and you know which sometimes that is true like we need to f- fix a process right but um it will just yeah it just will linger way longer than what it it should so I've gotten a lot better just like releasing it which is yeah tough lesson. yeah
1: and I think that's the thing Cause like I think for her she was like it's the principle like it's not even about the money at this point right Right. and you get so upset but that's also a thing that I think you have to learn which is so hard as an artist is like separating yourself from your work and your business is like not taking things personally and just being like I run a business Um, and that was Mm -hmm. a big lesson that I had to learn as well
0: yeah um let's see so pam so i think she's feeling something that i think i literally just had a phone conversation with a photographer and i think she feels this way too um so she's in a area she's where there's a you know a fluent area a lot of houses are like 1.7 million definitely higher in market but just there's a ton of photographers and they're offering shoot and burn models including digitals and so that it's become a little bit of like a, a cultural norm in the United States, that this is like how photographers operate.
2: Mm-hmm. There's a lot more
0: photographers that are trying to get brave and like breaking out of that and saying, no, we don't do it. I don't do it that way. Like I'm a lot more expensive, you know, but they're struggle to get clients. Cause there's always there, this is kind of a norm breaking cycle that they have to have with a client who's used to a certain thing and experience. What, what advice would you give to like Pam or any you know, other photographer in that situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, those might not be your clients, the ones that want shoot and burns. So like, you know, I was on a set with the videographer and he was so burnt out that it really affected our shoot day experience. And it wasn't like, honestly, it was, it was a horrible client experience from my side as the photographer, but also the client that was dealing with that. And I realized somebody told me what his prices were on set. And I was like, no wonder he can't, provides like a great experience because that client's not going to hire him again. I don't want to refer him. So I think it's like, but the person, the type of client that values low budget will always go low, low budget. Somebody that values, like I want the best experience on set. Like if, if they, if he had higher prices, he wouldn't have had to rush off to another shoot. So it's like, if he really served everybody on that team well, all of us would refer him to our clientele who do value those things over price. Um, so I think that's one thing is like letting go of people that really just care about price because there are always going to be photographers that are coming up doing churn and burn. It's like I was there my first year, like cause I didn't even know like that, that you could do it differently. So it's like not letting that affect your time and thinking about getting creative, like staying in your own lane, essentially getting creative of like, what makes me different? What are my value propositions? What am I bringing to the table? And it's not going to be price um, and and standing with confidence in that. And you can even say that on your sales calls, like people know I'm not the cheapest photographer, but you don't hire me because of my price. So.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, the majority of, I don't know, I guess the majority of consumers are probably price shoppers right i would say so Uh, i don't know you you know i don't know i I guess when you hear statistics of like how many people live paycheck to paycheck and like i don't know all this kind of stuff but um and the majority of tarfers are probably more shoot and burn i would say if we just had to like average out everybody's yeah business goals yeah um but so I don't know, something I t- I'm trying to tell myself, um, even when I was photographing is a few years ago, is was just that like, if, you know, 90% of the people may not be like my client, but I'm trying to find like that's, that 10%, right? So I'm going to get yeah. nine, nine no's, maybe one yes, um, but they're just believing that they're out there because I know they're out there. So like Pam's driving around seeing these like $2 million houses, like they have the money. And it's not just that they have the money that's important. They have to have the shared value.
1: It's the value Uh, for sure.
0: It's the shared value. So it's A, they need to be able to afford it one or whatever, or valued enough that they'll make it work financially. Uh, But it's funny the people that have the emotional, psychological value structure uh, that want the thing, because that's just the type of person they are. Yeah,
1: it's really interesting because I've had people who value the experience, who are just starting their business. And then I've had people who are really shopping for price and they make, they are, in a, they like, you would think by paper that they would pay a lot more, but they just didn't value photography. So mm-hmm. um, it is really about finding the people that value things over, they value the photographer and they value your work and they value the experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it's getting yourself in those social, social circles and networks where photography is valued. So find those pockets within your community and you'll start kind of naturally, you know, you might have to get through some no's obviously, but there, there will be some people that want that custom experience. Um, yeah, and I think
1: it's knowing too that if you are charging higher, you don't need as many people. So I think you made a great point on that. Like it's okay hearing no nine times if you get the one client that pays pays you what you need to, to be good for the month, you know?
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Um, Let's see. We've gone through the list of things that we've talked Mm about. Um, Money equating to hourly rate. Is this something you talked about recently? Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love to dive in more into this kind of this idea of like the more you work, that means that you should make more money. So there's ties into some other little spinoff topics, but we'll start there.
1: Yeah. So it's a subconscious belief. I had this belief too. Like the more I work, the more money I make. But if you actually look at it, a lot of people that work three or four jobs, they're not necessarily the richest people in the world. So it is a belief that you have to make more or work more in order to make more. Um, And something that another photographer said when I was early in my career that, It was like oh duh she's like i'm getting faster at my job which makes me better at my job i get the shots faster does that mean that i should be making less because i get something quicker um so it shouldn't be that the better i'm getting at my job the less that i'm making um so this is why moving out of hourly makes such a big difference is instead of thinking about your time you need to think about like, what's the actual value that I'm bringing and like, how much do I actually need to make in order to have the lifestyle that I want? And then based on that, what's the experience that I can provide that matches this value? So for me personally, like I, my max is shooting once a week and I'm even doing less than that now. Um, so it was like, okay, if I want to make a certain amount per year, what once a week, if I'm shooting once a week, like, if I divide that number, it's just simple math. Like, okay, this is how much I need to charge. What's the experience I can provide that matches this value? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not really about the amount of hours as much as it is about the value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are some examples of, like, value photographers bring to a client experience? So you've seen other maybe maybe people you're mentoring or other photographers you know of, just some like little practical things that you feel like maybe they're doing that add value beyond just I charge as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, creative direction instead of like billing for it separately, like you can include that as part of your experience. So that is a big one. Um, I had a mentor, a mentee. So my favorite th- place to get to with my clients is that they become so empowered, so confident They're not worrying about what other photographers are doing anymore, like what their market can or can't afford. They're just like fully in their creative power. And so they start thinking out of the box. And this is what actually starts attracting people to you is when you're doing things differently because you're in your creative power. Right. So I had a mentee who uh, we worked together for six months and um, she was really finding a love with like mental health professionals and photographing anyone in the wellness space. And so she started getting like really into her offers being like, how can I create a package that is like self-care for people that are taking care of people? Mm. And like, I was like, that is genius. So it's like, and then she started like getting on podcasts in the wellness community and talking about how photo shoots could be a self-care experience. So it's like, that's what I mean by like getting from like your thoughts being in Scarcity, comparison, all these other things are preventing you from actually like becoming like the, a true CEO and like in your creative power, which we're creative, so we all have this. Everybody has this, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've talked about this some too. I know the kind of being in your creative power, and I think you touched on a little bit earlier, just like with the pricing thing of like the three hundred dollars and how that can like zap your energy. But I guess if you can't talk about like for you self-care taking care of yourself to where the energy that you do expend because we all have a limited amount of energy every single day a limited amount of hours so the energy that you do push out needs to be in a healthy place uh which i think is what you're kind of calling this is like creative power if you can maybe expand on that a little bit
1: yeah um well this is where i realized like even though i have a day where I'm not doing anything, or I have it open on the calendar, and I get a last minute inquiry, I really have to check in, like, because I almost feel like it takes away my energy from being able to, to serve in other ways of my business. Um, So it's actually not just $800 here for the day. It's like, no, actually, like that is preventing me not only from the time, but like, I feel less creative energy by giving that to another client than to like, focus on how I want to grow. Like think about on the business versus being in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, So I, and everybody's different with this. Some people, their maximum is going to be like two to three shoots. Some it's less than that. Like mine's one a week because I do require so much spaciousness like i need a lot of rest and this is why like the nine to five (laughs) model never worked for me because i really need like i cannot work every day and i don't work every day like i need like a lot of downtime after a day of shooting like i'm out for two days like i'm working sometimes but i'm like i'm not really working like it's the same thing if i go to the beach like i i don't know like so resting for me is so important it's part of my business and like not feeling guilt around that um also there's different types of rest right so um you know it could be like going on a drive or going on a walk or doing something artistically that isn't photography related where i can just like mess up and you know try new things without it there being any pressure um mm-hmm. so i think of that all as as, as production, productive rest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rest is productive. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not unproductive. It's like you need to schedule it in. So, yeah. Um, and I
1: couldn't think about like my offers and being creative with on the business if I was in like my shoot and burn, because I'd be too tired to think about mm-hmm. my own business. I'd be thinking about just everybody else in like survival mode. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean this is something like I take pretty s- seriously. Um so something I've like a little peek behind the scenes of stuff we do at the lab but, like how I how I, we run things. So basically through like kind of end of January through um Sept- all the way through September, it's so, like kind of beginning of October. Um I let my basically the employees that are full-time i let them every every other week they only work four days so i pay them for five but every other week they have a day off that they're just awesome. like literally supposed to unplug um I, I toyed with like doing four days a four-day work week like every week but it just wasn't we'd have to charge even more to be able to pull that off but we just i like can't do it but um so i found this hybrid of like instead of doing five days a week Monday through Friday, like that's our hours, but not all staff members are here Monday through Friday, so that they can rest. Because for me, it's more expensive if they burn out and they need to go somewhere else, and me have to retrain somebody. Yeah. Then to slow their work their work pace down, so that you know when we're here, it's like focused and intense, and we we focus for the time that we're here. We expend that energy, but. That they're they have that production time of when it's just they just need to go do whatever they want to do that brings them joy so that when they're here, you know they're they're kind of the best versions of themselves, um. And so that's worked like you know really really well. And so like you know a lot of our employees have been here for years, um, because it does I don't try to burn them out.
2: That's incredible. Holidays
0: holidays are yeah burn out like that is a sprint. Like no,
2: yeah.
0: 3, like we just we have to push it through that, but they're always like, when can I go back to the four day thing? Because it just they need that extra like reset. You know, it slows back down. So,
1: yeah, I was just listening to how the forty hour work week was like invented in the eighteen hundreds for that time period, and how yeah. it's just like the average person like doesn't actually even if they have a forty hour work, they're not actually productive during that no. time. So. Yeah. We yep. really need to like rethink and reinvent how we're doing that. And it's really interesting because I'll work with a client, a coaching client that I'm mentoring that like will cut their work in half. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, I have all this freedom and I feel guilty now for having all this freedom. And I actually don't know how to handle this freedom. And they're like, wait a minute. I realize that like my whole life, I am just like creating a goal, hitting it unfulfilled, creating another goal, hitting it. Like burning myself on this wheel and wait a minute like what's the meaning of life and like we go and and i'm like wow i didn't realize i was coaching on this but really like that's what it is it's like this feeling guilt on guilt because society told us this is how it's supposed to look um but that's not actually the case a lot of us left our 95s or were chose a creative business or entrepreneurship so that we can make our own rules so that we could do it differently Um, and a lot of creatives I know are neurodivergent. So the traditional models never even worked for them. Um, so it's kind of just like embracing that and not having shame for making your business work for you because you are in a different game than, you know, a traditional nine to five.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: there's something, uh, I want to say interesting, but I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I don't want to like offend it <laughs> offend anybody, but I do think there's a bit of a truth to this. And I think it's also something I've just myself, I something I mentally a mental trap I get into for myself sometimes is um this allowing myself to break the rules of like just because this is how other people do things, or this is how like other print labs have structured things, this is how other companies do things. It doesn't have to be that way. Like I literally can do whatever I want, is just I need to create whatever business I want. I have complete control to do whatever I want to create and stop limiting myself with how I structure things. Like, there's nothing that's not on the table. Like, I can do whatever I want. Um, and I, something I want desperately for photographers because they so often just want to copy what another photographer is doing, and like, well, how does everybody how do they do this? What do they charge? What's their sales process? What's who are they who are their clients, who are they going after? Da-da-da. Which I get that. But they also also like, well, what do you getting a photographers just to like stop? Like, what do you want? What do you want your week to look like? How much do you need to make in a year? Because like you're that business, once you answer these things, who's the clients you want to work with? It's gonna be completely different. You know, for us as a lab, like that, you might come to an end result that makes sense that you don't work with us like that's completely fine like it's really ultimately about like your your place as a creative what works for you and your family and figuring that out versus just doing what's normal like we should be a lot should be a lot less normal like there's too much like everybody's doing the same thing kind of thing like i want people to like break break molds like go do something else like do do something new
1: yes i'm so passionate about this topic but i do think that's why so much starts in the mindset because if your mind is focusing on other photographers instead of recharging yourself by going to to, on walks or going to the beach or being in your art and you're instead looking at what other photographers are doing and like you know freaking out about scarcity like that is what's going to keep you from thinking of -of out-of-the-box ideas that'll actually allow you to charge a lot more because you are standing out in that way. So you're doing it your way and you're standing out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you help photographers put the blinders on? Like just shut I them tell them Instagram?
1: mute. Yeah. <laughs> mute anyone on Instagram. I tell my clients like mute me. Like, like if, yeah. if, if, if you're comparing yourself in any way, mute it, because I actually noticed like a huge up, up level in my own brand photography business. When I started doing this, Like. I was getting so bored of shooting people with laptops, like laptops, white walls, laptops. And I was just like, oh, I'm so sick of this. Like, I don't want to shoot this stuff anymore. Um, And I saw a lot of brand photographers doing that. So I just like was like, I'm not going to look at anybody anymore. I'm going to start looking at editorial magazines. And I'm just going to start speaking about this. Blinders up talking about like how brand photography could be different and like, you know, like, and then all of a sudden they started attracting really interesting people. Like I worked with an accountant who is, works with all creatives and she wanted all black and white, weird lighting photography. And she was an accountant. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, and if you're looking at everybody else and you're scared because it's different, then that's what's going to keep you from attracting the clients that you actually want to be working with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those staring at other people, it, yeah, it's very, it kind of robs you of your A confidence and like.
1: Your your own creative power, really.
0: Yeah. It kind of steals a lot of that energy and power away from you. So then it just, it kind of is a self-replicating cycle of like, it keeps you from doing the stuff you're like meant to be doing.
1: Exactly. Because then like, if you are, let's say, copying what everybody else is doing and then copying everybody else's package, it doesn't make you out. And then what happens is then you're like, well it's not working because nobody buys my bigger packages and it's like yeah it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy right Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah yeah if you could um let's see so if you could free up photographers um if you could free up photographers into like how they think about money you know what what would you have them think like if you could like hit the reset button if you could like do the little men in black flashy thing and like wipe their memory <laughs> um what would you like implant oh, gosh. into their head
1: um <clears throat> you know i don't know money mindset is it is a whole thing i mean i still have my own money mindset stuff that i'm working through um so i think I think a big one is feeling that you are worthy to charge higher rates.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You're good enough. You're worthy enough, like to do what you want to do. So I think that's a big one that I come across too. I'm not talking about like brand new photographers that don't know their skill set yet that are still building their portfolio, but I'm talking about like, if you've been doing this, like you're worthy.
0: Yeah. Right yeah, it's kind of crazy to me. I'll, I'll run into a lot of photographers that they'll, they'll bump into us, but they've been shooting burn for like 10 years or some crazy amount and then they're like sick of it and they want to switch over. Um, and they're just, you can tell they're scared <laughs> mm-hmm. to death. Um, I think there's something also within the industry, and I'm sure you run across this in terms of at all times of money, it's all interconnected, but, and we touched on it previously, but like this when you're charging lower rates it can be addicting to get to like the busyness like you can become addicted to being busy and you kind of get addicted to feeling wanted because your phone rings more like there's more people wanting something from mm, you yeah you know? so you feel like yeah you're needed and you're important um and so there's a the sometimes if when you shift over and there's a lull there's it can be hard because you don't get you feel more rejection and there's just some mental hurdles to get over of like well nobody wants me anymore kind of a thing and that can be depressing like honestly you know yeah
1: that's a big one is getting used um, to rejection so I mean I think why I didn't have this as much is because my first jobs were in cold calling hundreds of people a day so I was very used to rejection.
2: Okay. And that's something (laughs) that
1: you have to get used to is like, you don't need to work with everyone. You know, you only need to work with a select few right people for you. Um, but it is like, it's a muscle to build rejection, rejection wise. But also I think it's like thinking about what you actually want long-term. And that's another thing that I do a lot with my coaching clients is like, Who cares what your revenue is at the end of this year? I want to know what you want in five years from now, three years from now, because a lot of photographers come to me and they want to hit $100,000 by the end of the year, but it's not sustainable. So what are you going to do when you hit $100,000 and then come January? What's that going to feel like? Are you going to do it all again? It wasn't sustainable. Hmm. So who cares about like the one year mark and like these fancy numbers if it doesn't actually match and you're not building the life that you actually want? So I think that's an important question: is like, what do you actually want? And I think that's what's hard for a lot of people to answer. They don't actually know what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think you want freedom, but you actually want freedom because freedom means like having a day of no work. Like, how does that feel? <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're
1: like, wait a minute! I wanted this, but this is uncomfortable. Like, I want right. calls. I want emails. I want clients. Yeah. Like...
0: <laughs> yeah. Like nobody's gonna want to hire me again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That feel as well. Yeah. I I mean, I, I go through, I still go through this where anytime there's like a lull, like we had a dip recently and I was like freaking out, you know, mm, but it always yeah. snaps. It always snaps back. You know, it's always, it's like a roller coaster. There's always peaks and valleys. It's just natural how it is. So I'm trying to lean into like when there's a lull or something instead of wasting my energy worrying about, it's snapping back or something, um, being productive. i like, okay, I have a lull here. So now I can actually work on some stuff I've been, yes. that are on my to do list that I, that I look, haven't that been able to do. Uh, so I need to take advantage, actually, advantage of this time. It's actually a good time. So I can actually get some stuff done on my to do list that I've been putting off that I always yeah, complain about. Shift. I don't have enough time. And like, okay, I actually have the time. <laughs> like, I need yeah. to do the, do the thing. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it's also remembering that like, there's always something coming around the corner. Like you said, it's a pattern. It's like you have the lows and then it like always comes back up. So it's like remembering, like there's always, and I kind of have, I have this belief naturally, like there's always a client around the corner. So I'm not really worried about the nose because I have that belief.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's always somebody coming. Um, yeah. Uh, does anybody else have any questions for Hillary about just anything? Um, I can keep peppering her with questions, but is anybody has anything else?
2: Um, let's see. Da, 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 da.
0: Let's see. We've covered a lot of this stuff. Um, how do you? Talk about like communicating value efficiently. So like, because if we're not pricing on, if everything's instead of shifting from pricing, right? So like, I mean, a stuff costs a certain amount. So yeah, we get that. But like, how do you, how do how do photographers, or what are some things they should be doing to communicate actual value? either through mm-hmm. social media. Yeah, I think a like a big site. one
1: is benefits yeah. over features. So I'll see this a lot when I'll do like audits of my coaching clients offers is like, it's not stop talking about images It's what I say a lot, like the quantity of images, the number of images, like 50 images. So it's like you are solving a problem as an entrepreneur. What is the actual problem that your clients have? So for brand photographers, for example, if like everybody coming to you is launching a new website, I'm talking, my value is like, I'm gonna help you launch a new website that's on brand. I'm not talking about like, this is how many images you get. It's like, so what's the benefit of what you're offering, not the features of what you're offering. Um, And so if you can start thinking about how you're solving problems and designing the value of your packages in that way, like that'll already increase the perceived value of of what you're doing, yeah. Because it's like, no, I'm not giving you seven images. I'm giving you a new website, and that also helps with my mindset of like how much I'm willing to charge for that. Because they're going to have that for the next three to five years, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I mean, we're a lot of our a lot of our photographers are family photographers, you know, that are yeah. doing heirloom pieces for walls and things like that for their clients. Um,
1: yeah, I know. Nicole sometimes does, I love
2: her
0: work. Yeah, and it can be sometimes tricky for photographers to like quote unquote identify a problem because it's like it's not a need, right? Like they don't need they 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 have like all the food and the roof over their head and all that stuff. So it's not like this like really burning problem, but it's definitely more of like a want. Um, but it's still like something that you're solving or fulfilling in some way. So I don't I don't know if you've worked with a lot of family photographers that where you've talked them through.
1: I mean, I think that is a problem, right? Like if you are a family who wants to preserve a memory of your child that lasts forever or like for your lifetime to pass down to your kids, like that is a problem that you're solving. Like I'm putting myself in like the perspective in the shoes of being a mom. Like if I really valued that, I would go out and try to find it. So you know, it's still a problem. I would say too, the idea understanding problems like helps a lot is getting on actual calls, like sales calls. Um, mm. I know a lot of photographers that'll just send over PDFs. Um, and I think there's so much value in having conversations, um, one for market research, but two to like communicate the value and also like build the face-to-face connection that a lot of people in the commu- in your community may not be doing. Yeah. Um, So that is one way like I'll do audits of my coaching clients sales calls because I actually record them. I get permission before the call if I could record my sales calls and then I could see like what the actual words are that they're using. So if they are saying words like um, I want to preserve like this this time in my child's life and you're hearing that over and over again, like use those exact words in your marketing. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk to how you're preserving your child's life at this time, you know, so you are able to like assess problems based on what people are saying in the words that they're using.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just getting on with yeah calls and just asking very simple questions of like why why do you want like why are you interested in getting a photo shoot done and like just what's the motivation behind like even wanting to do this. Um, I think people reveal usually some pretty personal stories. You can kind of really see like why this is a time sensitive possible thing, you know? Yeah. Or, or, um, you know, moms realizing like, oh, you know, my child, they can see the edge of like them growing out of a certain phase. And so they want that documented or there's something, always something there that's like pushing them to want this. So it's like really letting them tell you what it is. And then, you know. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know it like what Nicole offers, that's something I would want, like what she just said. Um, She said, I think the problem my clients have is that they feel they need hundreds of images and I help them reframe they only really need a couple to capture a specific time in their child's family life. So this comes up also with brand photography where they're two separate clients and two separate problems. Like I have somebody that values quantity and wants quantity. That's a different problem that somebody that values quality and wants a few number of photos they're two separate problems so i actually have packages for both but um you know if you only want to focus on quality then sometimes a when you get on the call if you are having sales call and their problem is quantity and they truly want that then maybe they just aren't your client but maybe you can convert some of those people to becoming quality minded people through your marketing and like explaining why you only need a couple um photos and like the value of that and what that actually looks like and getting to that before they even come in and inquire.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah um do we need packages i'm really struggling with that idea i don't think we need i don't know a lot of the shops we work with are like just strictly a la carte like it's all custom so they they kind of see themselves as some. here's kind of my take on some of the value stuff as we get you know we have like a few minutes left but um a lot of the our top photographers they're they're wearing many hats in terms of uh they're a creating a unique custom artwork that is exclusive to this one person right it's like this commissioned one thing it's like commissioning a painter or something so there's like that hat which is like a is a lot of value in itself because they're hiring you for your, your vision and your process uh but b a lot of times they're also like they're kind of halfway playing an interior designer a lot of times. So they're like seeing this place talking about like, where do you want this hung? Like, can we coordinate the framing to fit, fit like the feel of your house and the furniture? Such so there's all huge value. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a huge <laughs> value. Like you're kind of playing an interior designer, so they don't have to hire an interior designer to figure this out, or they don't have to like spend a lot of time themselves when they don't necessarily have the skill set to do it, to figure out what they want. Like you're kind of, Doing that for them so it's like a, you're selling, saving them a lot of time and, and money that way um but then also a lot of shoppers they're also like halfway like wardrobe stylists also by like guiding them through mm-hmm. like where like what to look best like they have a hair and makeup person that they work with a lot so like they don't have to go and find their own hair and makeup person and like they've just like made all this so easy um and custom
2: saving yes. a ton of
0: time so much like value it demand This should demand a high price point because you're taking yes. stuff yeah off of their table and yeah so it's communicating
1: guy. that but also like i don't think you have to underestimate the that that is i'm just thinking about my mom like if she wanted to buy a print we get so many text messages like how does this look above my my frame what size do i need when she was asking me and i was just like i don't want to deal with this i don't know how to deal like <laughs> and she would literally if if somebody like was like hey i will come to your house i'll figure out exactly what frame you need like she would be like this is so valuable like I don't think it takes like that much convincing as long as you are like showing exactly what you do and why you do it and the right person will understand that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and if they're not
1: convinced they're not your client you know it's like that might not be what they value and that's okay
0: yeah I think it's something but I think photographers and even us at the lab like I think it's easy to like kind of um because what you're doing every day sometimes it's it's easy to like miss seeing like the value you bring and then communicating that effectively so there's a lot of stuff that we do here that I just maybe we I just don't show or talk about enough because it's just what we do like and I just am doing the the job <laughs> and moving on to the next thing versus taking the time to like communicate that and Share yes. like why, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yes. And, yes. You know, so um, I think some photographers they offer a ton of value, but they it's they can forget maybe why they're doing it and then not communicate it effectively, and then the value isn't seen by the potential clients.
1: Yeah, it's like second nature. I mean, you have to like right. remember too. I think a big mindset block that I've come across some people being like, I would never pay this amount for my for photography like or i worked with a floral designer and she said i would never pay this much for flowers Mm. myself so she had such a hard time charging what she wanted to charge for that and i'm like you have to remember like am i cutting out
2: no not for me yeah
1: okay (laughs) um you have to remember like you know how to solve your own problem so somebody is A lot of people, like, they have no idea what photography is and all that goes into it. Like, they might try to do it themselves, and then they realize, like, they don't have what it actually takes, so they're paying an expert. So just because, like, you wouldn't pay that doesn't mean that you can't charge what you want to charge.
2: I think we'll get the recording for this, so if it, like, skits out. um... Yeah. Yeah
0: we can just keep going because it's really, yeah. so at least for me, my internet says it's working. So and I, you did not skip out once for me. So hopefully people are still here. Um, yeah, sorry. That, uh, that kind of got
2: not yet.
1: Maybe it's just delayed.
2: Uh, or I wonder if there's like an hour limit it could be just replaying. Okay.
0: Well, I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, either way, we'll wrap up because if this has a time limit, then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, I did want to just with one comment, though, because it said, I feel like quality over quantity, but it does feel like a pressure to deliver many images or keep shooting and shooting when people are paying premium. So this comes down to a belief around your offer that it's not valuable enough the way that it is. So it's like there's, you're trying to overcompensate through quantity and through continuing to shoot because you don't believe that there's value in what you're currently providing. And that's what actually needs to shift is your mindset of believing that what you offer is valuable.
2: Mm.
1: Because if we don't believe in our offer and have confidence in our offer, then why would our clients? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I would say, there's a there's a segment of people that are in the luxury market, so one of the things I'm' we'll kind of end on this but um that like the I've heard recently or read some online like kind of the new flex is not like buying like expensive stuff like or whatever to like show off your social status like kind of the this like social flex if you will is like just freedom is like mm. I have time to do the things that I want to do like that's what we' Is really like the big deal. It's not like look at this like two hundred thousand dollar car. Z. Yeah, I don't remember, <laughs> it's not, but it's just like the it's not yeah it's not buying like the two hundred thousand dollar car. It's just the like I have the freedom to do what I want to do with my time more. That's yeah like, the thing. And so when people are paying a premium, like one this wedding photographer I know, is super you know he's one one of the best I think, and he charges a lot, but um. People don't want a million pictures from him. They want like 20 Um, his way, you know, his way. And so a lot of people, if they're paying a lot of money for stuff, they don't want to spend a ton amount of time doing that thing Um, because they want to hire the expert to like get in, get the job done, expert, you know, as an expert, because that's what they're hiring them for and then get out and it'd be, seamless and not this like drawn out like 20 hour type thing you know
1: yes yeah totally I actually have this realization because one of my wardrobe stylists who actually is a client of mine was like we were having drinks and she was like why do photographers always do like hour half day full day like she's like I really don't care about like how much time it takes I just want my my images like I just want good images. Like, I don't care how long it takes. It could take like five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, she's like, actually the, the less time, the better, because I'm really busy and I have shit to do. And I was like, yeah. Okay. So wow. Like that change shifted everything for me. Cause I realized it really isn't about the amount of time. I don't need to necessarily say like, you get a full day. Like not everybody cares about a full day. So you could literally charge the same amount for a full day as you do two hours. And maybe your value proposition is like, you are focused on working with busy people like that's who you're targeting and you say i can get you the same results in half the amount of time and like that's your value so um it's understanding like who you want to serve and like what the actual value is that you want to sell on
0: right yeah identifying your client experience going to take them through so the different clients you could have somebody that wants a 5 hour amazing self care yes experience that's that will pay like five, $10,000 for like, that's a yeah. client, but that's not everybody's client. But then you also might have a CEO that will pay $5,000 for a headshot that takes 10 minutes. Yep. Cause it doesn't interrupt his day. He does not want to spend five hours with that photographer. <laughs> he wants to get yeah. his, what he needs exactly. and he can, but he'll pay the price for it. So different clients. So it's just, yeah, exactly. Identifying who you want to target, go after it and just be clear about like, I'm for this type of person solving this type of problem. I'm not for this type of person
1: yeah so. and a lot of that comes back to what do you actually want how do you work best what energizes you so and yeah. that'll be different for everybody
0: right cool okay well thank oh. you so much you gave us yeah. a, lot, a lot of time and wisdom but i really appreciate it this was, a ton this was of fun. so
1: fun yeah thanks um, for having me excited to be part of the community
0: yeah and people follow you on instagram yes instagram
1: is great at hillary h i l l a r y underscore gene j e a n n e
0: yep check out all of our stories there's lots of goodies in there
1: so. <laughs> thanks
0: <laughs> all right all right goodbye for now see ya okay, bye take care everybody